All right, fellow fact checkers, be sure to head over to Fox and Sons Coffee and check out the best coffee sponsor a guy could ever hope for. And if you use the code FCT for fact check this at checkout, you will get 18% off any order of $25 or more. Also, be sure to check out the subscription packages. And any order of $37.99 or more goes free shipping. Check out the light blend, the dark blend, the uh, medium blend, the electric boogaloo, and the decaf. Be sure to check out Fox and Sons Coffee. So let's start the show. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. Fact check this podcast, and usually I don't do current event type stuff, but today it seemed kind of important considering what's going on in the news with the whole Supreme Court rulings on a number of different topics. So we're going to start with the first one that came out, which was the excuse me, the ban on affirmative action in ruling. Uh, Supreme, so let me just pull up the article and we'll, we'll just take it straight from the top with the, I don't, I don't like the wording of this headline per se, but whatever it is, what it is. Uh, Supreme Court bans affirmative action in ruling against case uh, race conscious college admissions. It's not exactly a uh, ban on affirmative action, but it deems affirmative action the basis of affirmative action is unconstitutional. So uh, these universities are still going to find a way to shoehorn this type of thing in, I'm sure. But let's kind of, let's take a look at the article and kind of the background of the case and how it, how we got to this point. And then we'll, we'll go from there. So the Supreme Court ruled to ban the consideration of race as part of admissions decisions at colleges, including Harvard University and the University of North Carolina, ending a decades-long practice known as affirmative action. Chief Justice Robert uh, John Roberts wrote for the sixth-member majority to undo the lasting impacts of the landmark 1978 case, Regents of the University of California versus Bakke, which upheld race-conscious admissions at universities. Harvard and UNC's admissions programs violate the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment, the majority held in the Students for Fair Admissions versus President and Fellows of Harvard College. Liberal Justice Sonia Sotomayor dissented and was joined by Justice Elena Kagan, Justice Ketanji Brown, Jackson dissented in the UNC case, joined by Sotomayor and Kagan. Jackson recused herself from the Harvard case due to her past service on the university board. That was one of the things that there was some question as to would she recuse herself from this case, knowing that this case was going to be coming before the Supreme Court. Would she recuse herself because of her position with the university board? And she did actually do the right thing and she did that. So that was that was interesting and a. Good to see, I, I guess, at least she was she did the right thing in that. I, I figured, uh, I sincerely figured she would join in the dissent as opposed to uh, recusing herself. But, uh, and not that it mattered either way, the, it was a six, uh, six-member six majority that was going to vote vote for this. So uh, it, her vote didn't particularly matter in this case, but it, it was a 
at least a good show of face to to recuse herself. Sotomayor chastised the majority's opinion, saying it stands in the way and rolls back decades of precedent and momentous progress. It holds that race can no longer be used in a limited way in college admissions to achieve such critical benefits. In so holding, the court cements a superficial rule of colorblindness as a constitutional principle in an endemically segregated society where race has always mattered and continues to matter. See, let me finish the article and then I'll really, I'll do my, uh, my lambasting. This is going to be a long episode for those who haven't figured it out because there's going to be three long, long articles about three long rulings and I'm going to be giving my own uh, analysis of this stuff as well. So, so just bear with me. Um, Justices have been mulling since November over the two cases brought by the nonprofit group Students for Fair Admissions, headed by conservative legal strategist Edward Bloom, a staunch critic of affirmative action policies. Meanwhile, the present 6-3 Republican-appointed majority on the court has been inching for years towards an eventual decision against affirmative action. Roberts has been one of the most eager members of the court against such policies, writing in the 2007 uh, Parents Involved case, the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race, which is exactly what this is. Toward the end of the opinion, the majority sought to placate the woes of the liberal, liberal minority dissent. The majority held that nothing in this opinion should be construed as prohibiting universities from considering an applicant's discussion of race affected of how race affected his or her life, be it through discrimination, inspiration, or otherwise. But despite the dissent's assertion to the contrary, universities may not simply establish through application essays or other means the regime we hold unlawful today. So what they're saying is you can't just say, okay, this person says they're black, and so this is like they're gonna they're going to be given press or they're going to be given uh, advantage over everybody else, which is literally what's been happening. Which we'll get to that once once this is over. Justice Clarence Thomas added that he would highly that he would highly doubt universities could carry on with considering race and admissions policies with the new test that was established Thursday. In the future, universities wishing to discriminate based on race and admissions must ar articulate and justify a compelling and measurable state interest based on concrete evidence. Given the strictures set out by the court, I highly doubt any will be able to do so. During oral arguments in October of 2022, the court's inclination to ban affirmative action was evident. The court's six conservatives expressed skepticism towards the practice, even as attorneys for Harvard and UNC, along with U.S. Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelogger, implored the court to permit the practice to continue. A 2014 SFFA case contended that Harvard's admission policy unlawfully discriminates against Asian American applicants. The university is accused of violating Title uh, Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which bars discrimination based on race, color, or national origin under any program or activity receiving federal funding. Another case filed in 2014 alleged the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill unlawfully discriminates against white and Asian American applicants. That suit accused the university of violating the Constitution's Fourth Amendment promise of equal protection under the law. Bloom state, uh, started SFFA in 2014 in part to fight against the affirmative action policies allowed in the Bakke decision. Such policies have long been debated as to whether they might inadvertently discriminate against other applicants. 
In, 20, in 2003, the Supreme Court ruled against a University of Michigan system that awarded points to minority applications as going too far, but reaffirmed Bakke's central holdings that schools could use race as one of, the, one of several admission factors. Banning the use of affirmative action will force elite colleges to reinvent their policies and find new ways to ensure diversity in their student populations without using race as a consideration. Several universities have expressed concerns in legal briefs that a decision to overturn affirmative action could result in fewer minority students on campuses. But ahead of the high court's opinion release, legal experts speculated colleges might attempt to maintain a superficial vision of, for diversity on campus without taking race into consideration. The Supreme Court ruled that the affirmative action policies at Harvard and the University of North Carolina are violating federal law. Now we will see whether the universities comply with the Supreme Court's decision or try to resist it. South Texas College of Law Houston Professor John Blackman told the Washington Examiner on Thursday. Harvard Law School Professor Noah Feldman wrote in October that the eventual decision for the UNC and Harvard cases could be written so narrow, narrowly that it would still be legal for universities to say that they merely hoped to achieve racial diversity, but taking any race-conscious decisions to achieve that goal would be illegal. The matter of race-neutral admissions policies that are implemented for racially conscious ends could find its way to a Supreme Court soon. A group of parents, alumni, and community members at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology in Fairfax, Virginia, sued the school for changing its admissions process to increase the number of black and brown students and decrease the number of Asian students. And U.S. Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the school's new process did not violate federal law. The case's next stop would be the Supreme Court. So this is an interesting case. And the thing that I find the most interesting about this is this is entirely avoidable. Like, had these universities just used this to for the admission of minority students and really exclusively for the exclusion of white students. Like everybody knew for as long as affirmative action has been around, everybody knew the white students were going to get the short end of the stick on this. Like if you are a equally or more qualified white student going up against a black student or a Latino student or even an Asian student at one point, you were going to lose which also is what pushed white students to create these like un, uh, undeniable resumes. That's why you take two to four years of a foreign language, you do all these extracurriculars, you set yourself up as club presidents and like you have all of this stuff. That way when they look at your application, they have no way to say, okay, you can't get in. Sorry, we're going to take this black kid instead, even though he scored four points lower on the ACT and had a 3.2 GPA and you had a 3.8. We're taking him because we need to make certain diversity quotas. And that's like and that was kind of the thing is like if I, I, I grilled my Snapchat AI for hours on this the, the other night. Explain to me how affirmative action does not create a reverse racism system. And it couldn't do it. It kept giving me like this gobbledygook bullshit about how minorities might experience uh, hardships and other like 
hurdles toward education and blah 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 blah. I'm like, okay, how is that different from rural white kids? Like rural white kids have those same difficulties. Uh, like it and it never can distinguish out of that. I was like, how is this not creating a system of reverse racism where you are in, instead of excluding people based on if they're of a minority skin color, now you're excluding white people almost exclusively. And honestly, they could have gotten away with that for eternity, but they had to start excluding white or Asian kids too. And as soon as they started excluding Asians, that's when they fucked up because they are also a minority. They should be protected under this equal opportunity bullshit. Affirmative action should still apply to Asian students, even though Asians, by and large, have a higher IQs and higher income levels and all of this stuff. They are still a minority and should still fall under affirmative action. So once they started using affirmative action to exclude minority groups that weren't oppressed enough, that's where they fucked up. Uh, everything that we're going to go over today, all these Supreme Court decisions, could have been avoided if the left and these like psychopaths who push these programs hadn't pushed too far. This could have easily been avoided if you just discriminate exclusively against white kids and don't start going after the Asians too. But once you start going after the Asians, now you've made it clear that this isn't about equal opportunity for minorities. This is about an, a, a giving a leg up to black students, almost specifically and almost exclusively because if you look at the like the college enrollment numbers for latinos it doesn't really like get a big boost from this it, this is exclusively to push for black kids and the whole basis of affirmative action to begin with is that they didn't have the opportunities they weren't permitted to apply to go to these schools they weren't allowed to even apply there is no there is no like discrimination, discriminatory application process. Everybody has the same opportunity to apply to go to all of these schools. There is no reason for affirmative action to exist anymore in the college application scene or any in any any field, period, because everybody has the exact same opportunity. Okay. Do black kids go to worse schools? Yeah, if you're living in the inner city, you probably go to a worse school. White kids who live in really rural parts of the country, they also go to considerably worse schools. It kind of evens itself out. And it really, whose fault is it that black kids in inner cities go to worse schools? Uh, it's not the colleges that they're applying to. It's not systemic racism or some bullshit. It's the teachers unions and the democratic politicians who are backed by the teachers unions that put bad policies in place and, and continue to keep these schools underperforming and continue to push students through who are underqualified to go to college. Yes, it should 100% be merit-based and it should be based on do you deserve to be here, period. Not are you black and do we need to bump our enrollment numbers for black students. Like they were talking about the, the enrollment numbers at Harvard, like 43% white, like in a country that's 70 to 73, between 70 and 73% white, you would expect that your, like your application rates and stuff would be roughly the same. Like, like it should match, right? If you have a, a country that's, 
base that's that's population is 73 percent one thing then you would expect your enrollments at different universities and stuff like that to be roughly the same as your population base right except that they're not doing that they're using these to artificially inflate numbers and create this this reverse racism they're also using this to discriminate against uh white europeans uh european immigrants who are white like the whole point of this is to to help people who are immigrant status and minority status like people who are otherwise kind of uh a step back in the you know they talk about like equity and equality and like that white people start out like two to three steps ahead of everybody else blah 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 well european immigrants and Asians are still minorities and they still start out behind, but they were using this to discriminate against them as well. Just not going after legitimate minority groups with this, not making it something that was exclusively exclusively beneficial to black people and creating a reverse racist form of a system through this. They could have avoided all of this, but here we are. So, I mean, this is a good thing. This makes everything is going to be by in theory anyway everything is going to be merit-based and it's, if you are the best candidate to get into the school then you should get in and if you have verifiable proof that they are letting people in ahead of you based on skin color then you have a case to go and school sue that fucking school into oblivion because they cannot discriminate against you just because you happen to have a better a marginally better life than somebody else who's involved in this or uh, who's applying you know so so next we get speaking of things that are easily avoidable. Next we get the next decision that was that came down from the Supreme Court, which was on a uh, Supreme Court says the First Amendment entitles a web designer to refuse same-sex wedding work. So again, this like this is completely avoidable. In a major decision affecting LGBTQ rights, the U.S. Supreme Court on Friday carved out a significant exception to public accommodations laws, laws that in most states bar discrimination based on sexual orientation. By a 6-3 vote, the court sided with Lori Smith, a Colorado web designer who was opposed to same-sex marriage. She challenged the state's public accommodations law, claiming that by requiring her to serve everyone equally, the state was unconstitutionally enlisting her in creating a message she opposes. On Friday, the Supreme Court agreed with her, writing for the conservative majority, Justice Neil Gorsuch drew a distinction between discrimination based on a person's status, her gender, race, and other classifications, and discrimination based on her message. If there is any star fixed, uh, if there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, he said, it is that the government may not interfere with an uninhibited marketplace of ideas. When a state law collides with the Constitution, he added, the Constitution must prevail. The decision was limited because much of what might have been contested about the facts of the case was stipulated, namely that Smith intends to work with couples to produce a customized story for their websites using her words and original artwork. Given those facts, Gorsuch said Smith qualifies for constitutional protection. He acknowledged that Friday's decision may result in misguided and even hurtful messages. But, he said, the nation's answer is tolerance, not coercion. The First Amendment envisions the United States as a rich and complex place where all persons are free to think and speak as they wish, not as the government demands. The court's liberals dissent, obviously, and a blistering dissent. Justice Sonia Sotomayor said that Lori Smith's objection amounts to discrimination based uh, discrimination against the status of same-sex couples. 
discrimination because of who they are. Speaking for the court's three liberal justices, she said, time and again, businesses and other commercial entities have claimed a constitutional right to discriminate. And time and again, this court has courageously stood up to those claims. Until today, today, this court shrinks. The lesson of the history of public accommodations law is that in a free and democratic society, there can be no social caste. For the promise of freedom is an empty one if the government is powerless to assure that a dollar in the hands of one person will purchase the same thing as a dollar in the hands of another. Just what today's decision means for the future is unclear. A limited decision. Jenny Pizer, the legal uh, chief legal officer for Lamb Lambda Legal, called the decision limited. This decision says that the laws apply effectively to everyone, but doesn't apply to this type of business. And I think there's an enormous question moving forward, she said. How is this going to be applied to the range of goods and services that involve some customizing and arguably some artistry, depending on the eye of the beholder. So what about the cemetery that refuses to engrave a headstone with the words beloved partner? Or a web designer simply asked, uh, asked to simply announce the time and place for a same-sex wedding? Or a tailor who refuses to make a suit for a same-sex groom? What about the dressmaker who refused to make a gown for Melania Trump to wear at her husband's inauguration in 2017? Michael McConnell, director of the Stanford Center for Constitutional Law, wrote about that question in academic book chapter, and the Washington Post wrote about it. Virtually everyone interviewed for a Washington Post story thought it was extremely important that this dress designer was able to refuse to create a gown for the Trump inauguration, McConnell said in an interview with NPR. And I don't think a tailor is different from a dressmaker. See, it's good for the goose. It's good for the gander. If you can deny, if you can refuse to make a, tr a dress for Melania, then I should be able to refuse to make a wedding cake for your gay brother or sister or whatever. Just Justice Gorsuch, in his majority opinion, characterizes these as a sea of hypotheticals, observes Brigham Young University law professor, professor Brett Sheriffs. What he had to say is that these cases are not this case. University of Virginia law professor Douglas Laylock, Laycock says that there likely will be many follow-up cases probing the outer boundaries of Friday's court decision, but he says the core of this is that you can't be compelled to use your creative talents in service of speech that you fundamentally disagree with. That's a pretty clear category. And and like the, the Colorado cake maker that's been that's gone to court over this several times, he's always come out on top. He's always won. They've taken him to court like I think four or five separate occasions, and he's always won because this is a constitutional right, a First Amendment right of his to, to deny his artistic and creative abilities for something that he, doesn't, that he doesn't agree with. My prediction is that we will not see a lot of these cases, says Yale Law Professor William Exbridge, who has written extensively about gay rights. Most religious people, including fundamentalist people, do not want to discriminate against LGBTQ persons, particularly in their commercial businesses, he says. And most LGBTQ don't want to sue. Lambda's legal's Jenny Pizer is not so sanguine. The danger here is the message and the understanding that this court majority consistently favors those who seek to discriminate, she said. And that sends a particularly alarming message to members of communities who are under sustained attack. Oh, you're under such sustained attack. I'm... This is the world that many of us are living in, she adds. The civil rights protections are essentially for our ability to participate in society. And you have every single fucking right to participate in society however you wish. 
the problem with this and the reason that this was another one of those cases that was completely avoidable is that they kept targeting specific people. You have every fucking right to participate in society by going and asking fucking Target or Walmart or the local grocery store or any other human being on the motherfucking planet to make your cake. To ask any other web developer on the fucking planet to make your website, to make your wedding announcement, to do this shit. To go to any other county clerk in the country to get your wedding license. But instead, they keep specifically targeting individuals that they know have strong Christian moral objections to it and trying to force them to do it and then taking them to court because they won't do it based on their First Amendment rights to refuse that service because of their freedom of speech and religion. If you just stop targeting people that you know don't want to do this and let literally any other motherfucker on the goddamn planet do it, then you are still able to participate in society. But it's because they want to keep targeting people that they know uh, find it objectionable. That's why you get a Supreme Court ruling. This never had to go here. This never had to become a case. But you're going to keep pushing until finally the people who you're pushing get tired and they don't just push back. They knock you in your motherfucking teeth and watch you spit them out on the ground. That's what happened here. That's what happened with the with the affirmative action thing is they keep pushing until finally the people that they're pushing can't take it anymore. And they say, fuck you, motherfucker. I'm going to knock you out. It has to be a killing stroke. And that's what this is. This is a killing stroke. Because now if they continue to go after Christian cake makers, Christian website developers, Christian, like anything, like, you know, intellectual property type of thing. Now, not only do they not have room to sue because of them not making the cake or making the website or whatever, they're opening themselves up to legal uh, recourse as well, because now they can say this is harassment. This is targeted harassment, harassing and attacking my First Amendment rights. They're opening them up themselves up to countersuits because of this ruling. And that's the right thing. If you get asked to make a cake and like all they have to do is say, I'm sorry, I don't agree to that. Like this is it goes against my belief structure. Here are other people who will make the cake for you. And instead of going and having literally any of the other people who could have made the cake for them do it, they decide to sue. Now that suit gets thrown out immediately and there's room for a countersuit. That's the way it should be. Fuck these motherfuckers. They keep coming after people and targeting people. And that is why this is a case to begin with. Just leave us the fuck alone. Like, why do they have to keep pushing? Oh, it's because they have to have their right. Like, it's not enough that you just want them to go about their business and do whatever they want. And, you know, I don't care what you do. Just leave me the fuck alone. No, you, you can't just agree that I can do whatever I want to do as long as I leave you alone. You have to acknowledge me and affirm me, and you have to agree with me on 100% on everything. And if you don't do it, then you're the bad guy. Well, the bad guys are getting fucking sick and tired of being pushed around and bullied and being called the bad guys. So now it's time to start punching these motherfuckers back. That's what these two cases are about. Stop going after people who just want to be left the fuck alone or you're going to get your goddamn teeth knocked out and you deserve it every fucking time you deserve it. On to the last case that came up this week, and this one wasn't a big surprise and it'll be an easy one to close on, is that the Supreme Court has now blocked uh, Biden's student loan forgiveness. This was never constitutional to begin with. As soon as it got hit, or as soon as it 
got pushed through. It got taken to appeals court and it got and it got held up. This was never going to be a thing. This was never going to go through. This was always just a publicity stunt by the fucking left. But nonetheless, here we are. It had to go to the Supreme Court, and now we get the ruling that was always going to be. The U.S. Supreme Court handed President Joe Biden a painful defeat on Friday, blocking his plan to cancel $430 billion in student loan debt, a move that has been intended to benefit up to 43 million Americans and fulfill a campaign promise. The, pre- the Democratic president uh, denounced the 6-3 to three decision, powered by the court's conservatives, written by Chief Justice John Roberts, and announced fresh steps to provide relief for student loan borrowers using a different approach, of course. I have been kind of surprised at Roberts. I, I, I know Sean is going to, going to tell me about uh, Roberts has had some good has had some good cases, but man, there have been a lot of times over the past several years where, when it comes to something big and it's a tight decision, he he goes with the liberals. And here lately, he's been a lot of these have become six threes, and he's sided with the conservatives and actually taken the the correct stance on some of these things, or at least the correct stance in my opinion. Uh, so. It's interesting, and and I, I'm really happy to see it. I, I really kind of want to see Oberfeld brought back before him and see how he rules with the current iteration of the court, because uh, he was the deciding vote that that uh, that approved Oberfeld in 2015. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Maybe maybe for another day. Uh, we're gonna focus on this one for now. The court sided with the six conservative leaning states: Kansas. Iowa, Arkansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and South Carolina that objected to Biden's student loan forgiveness. The rule dealt a blow to the 26 million borrowers who applied for relief after Biden announced a plan in August of 2022 and represented a political setback for Biden. Today's decision has closed one path. Now we're going to pursue another, Biden said uh, at the White House, announcing steps being taken under a law called the Higher Education Act. I'm never going to stop fighting for you. We'll use every tool at our disposal to get you the student debt relief you need and reach your dreams. Robert derided, Roberts derided the Biden administration's argument that the loan forgiveness program, a move linked to the national emergency arising from the COVID-19 pandemic, was merely a modification of an existing program and noted that such broad action would require clear congressional approval. The secretary's plan has modified the cited provisions only in the same sense that the French revolutions modified the status of French nobility. It has abolished them and supplanted them with a new regime entirely, Roberts wrote, referring to the U.S. Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardonas. From a few narrowly delineated situations specified by Congress, the secretary has expanded forgiveness to nearly every borrower in the country, Roberts said. The court's three liberal justices dissented, of course. The court acted on its final day of rulings in its term that began in October. The ruling invoked the major questions, doctrine, and muscular judicial approach that gives justices broad discretion to invalidate executive agencies' actions of vast economic and political significance, unless Congress clearly authorized them in legislation. The conservative justices previously used this doctrine to invalidate other Biden policies, including pandemic-era eviction protections for residential renters and his COVID-19 vaccination or testing mandate for large businesses. Biden's plan fulfilled his 2020 campaign promise to cancel a portion of $1.6 trillion in U.S. student loans debt that was criticized by Republicans who called it an overreach of his authority and an unfair benefit to college-educated borrowers, while other borrowers received no such relief. Under the plan, the U.S. government would forgive up to $10,000 in federal student debt 
for Americans making under 125000 who obtain loans to pay for college and other post-secondary education, and 20000 for receipts of Pell Grants to students from lower-income families. The administration said the plan was authorized under a 2003 federal law called the Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Students Act, or HEROES Act, which lets the education secretary waive or modify student financial assistance during war or national emergencies. Biden and his Republican predecessor, Donald Trump, both relied upon the HEROES Act to repeatedly pause student loan payments and halt interest from accruing to alleviate financial strain on student loan borrowers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Cardona said the Education Department now has finalized an income-driven loan repayment plan that cuts monthly payments to zero for millions of low-income borrowers, saves all other borrowers at least 1000 annually, and stops runaway interest that leaves borrowers owing more than their initial loan. The department, Cardona said, will allow a 12-month transition period to help borrowers successfully return to repayment without falling into delinquency or default. It will help borrowers avoid the harshest cons consequences of missed partial or late payments like negative credit reports and having loans referred to collection agencies. Biden, who is seeking re-election next year, criticized Republican elected officials who opposed his plan. They had no problem with billions in pandemic-related loans to businesses included hundreds of thousands and, in some case, millions of dollars to uh, for their own businesses, Biden said. Some 53% of respondents supported Biden's debt relief with 45% opposed in a March Reuters-Ipsos uh, U.S. poll. The major questions doctrine arises from an approach favored by many conservatives and business groups to rein in what they view as excess of the administrative state. They object to what they consider accumulated power by the executive branch without proper checks by the courts and Congress. This is what we have. If you can, if, if you can do it with a phone and a pen, then you are not being properly checked and balanced by the judicial and uh, congressional, which is the whole point of the judiciary and the legislative branch, is that they are supposed to be a check and balance to the executive branch so you don't have somebody that's just ru ruling like a tyrant. The, this is the correct, uh, this is the correct rule, rule on this. Justice Elena K Kagan, in a dissent joined by her two fellow liberals, derided this doctrine as made up. Well, you're a dumb bitch, so who fucking cares? Small wonder the majority invokes the doctrine, Kagan wrote. The majority's normal statutory interpretation cannot sustain this decision. The statute reads as given, reads as written, gives read, read as written, gives the secretary broad authority to relieve a national emergency's effect on borrowers' ability to repay their student loans. It simply does not. The See, the liberal justices just come up with whatever they want. Like they, It's amazing that... They just come up with shit out of out of thin air. Like they, I'll, I'll get to it in a second. Two individual borrowers opposed the plan's eligibility requirements. Also sued, but the justices dismissed their challenge on Friday due to a lack of legal standing. This was never going to pass. This was never going to pass anyway. This never this never passed the, the smell test. Um, the problem with the 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 liberal justices. So. Uh, Ketanji Brown, Jackson, Jackson Brown, whatever fucking name is. Uh, she recused herself from the Harvard case, but she uh, she did take a join the dissent on the North Carolina case, uh, which ended up being lumped together. So it didn't really fucking matter there. It, it all became part of the same thing. But 
um, she she wrote a uh, dissent to the to the rule to the affirmative action ruling, and having read that, I I got a link to it, and I'm it's not worth it's not fucking worth it. Like like the thing about Roberts' uh, opinion in in doing away with affirmative action was it goes based on the, uh, what was it, the 14th Amendment and there's actual like legal precedent and using examples of how the different cases are violations of uh, of everybody's rights, of, of equal opportunity rights and stuff and, and create, effectively create a reverse racism discriminatory system. If you go and you look at at the the liberal dissent, especially Katanji Brown Jackson, there is no legal precedent, no actual like cases, no nothing. It is all an appeal to uh, it's an appeal to like feelings. It, it's an emotional piece. It's not a legal paper. It's not a legal document. And that's the problem with these fucking liberal judges. They never actually have anything to back up their position other than an appeal to, an appeal to emotion. And I, I, that's, it's just, it's fucking insane. And like I said about, like, the first two could have been avoided if you just stop targeting people who want to be left alone. That's the big takeaway from this. All of this was completely avoidable. At least the first two. Biden student loan forgiveness, like that's avoidable if you just don't take out hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans for a useless degree. Or I don't know, like just don't take out hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans, period. How does that make sense? Who thinks that's a good idea? Holy fuck. That's insane. What's your potential? What's your potential annual income from a job in this field? Are you going to be able to pay this back in four to six years? I mean, think about it like a car payment. Like, can you pay this in four to six years? And if you can't, then you really need to reconsider and not fucking do it. Uh, like, holy hell. And like, why are people taking out these massive loans? If, why is the government allowing this to happen? Right, instead of forgiving the loans, how about stop with predatory lending? Because it's the government's fault that this is happening to begin with. But but the first two cases, the affirmative action thing and the the uh, the gay website maker, like that is entirely the left's fault. That is entirely progressive's fault. You keep pushing people who just want to be left alone. They're going to fucking push back. And here you are. And now you get to, you, you made your bed. Now you get to sleep in it. Thank you all for uh, sticking with me for this long thing going through all this. I, I don't normally do, you know, current events, but this was one of those that seemed important and it seemed like it needed to be talked about. So I hope you got something out of this. I will see you. I, I hope I see you on Wednesday. Uh, I'm having severe internet problems. The storms that came through, uh, at the end of last week, completely wrecked our internet, power, everything. Uh, we have power back, obviously. The internet is 
I'm doing this off, like I'm uploading this off a hotspot and I don't know how well it's going to work. Uh, live streaming is definitely out of the, out of the question for me at the time. Our cell phone service is incredibly sketchy. Um, I'm, I may just do like a short thing on Wednesday to announce that I'm taking a break for the month of July because it's going to be at least July 10th, if not later than that, before we can even get a tech out here to figure out why we're having the internet problems that we're having after this storm. It's uh, it's just so much damage has been done out here after that storm. The, the 10th was the earliest I can get somebody out here. And we're leaving for Montana on the 14th. We'll be gone for a week and a half. So I may, I may come back on Wednesday and just make the announcement, uh, do something really short. Uh, like a short piece or something to make the announcement that I'm, I'm just going to take the rest of the month off because I, I'm not really sure how well this is all going to work out with everything else going on, especially with the, with the internet and cell and cell problems that we're, we're going to be experiencing for a minimum week and a half. So uh, stay tuned for announcements on that. And I will catch you on Wednesday, one way or the other. Have a good one, everybody. Before you go, make sure you check out our great sponsor, Agorist Acres. Now, agoristacres.com, you can find over 100 varieties of seeds. They've got vegetables, flowers, all kinds of stuff. They've got heritage brands, everything that you want to start any kind of garden that you need. It's free shipping on any order of $20 or more. They've got cool packaging, and most of the seeds come in a fancy glass vial, no paper envelopes. They accept U.S. dollars and crypto and can easily take either at checkout. Now, be sure to head over to agoristacres.com and anything that you get, use the promo code FCT at checkout for 10% off your order. I say all the time that you need to be starting your own garden. You need to be growing your own food. You need to be getting off the grid and becoming less dependent on grocery stores and stuff like that. Agorist Acres is a great first start. They have got everything you need for whatever kind of garden you want. Great people, great product, highly recommend. So go check them out. Thank you.